healing in the body. And be sure to check out our other episodes on other topics related to medicine and healing in various communities and forms. This podcast series, focused on different approaches to medicine and health, aims to provide a sort of healing in itself, as throughout our studies on healing and medicinal practices, it has been shown that communication with others has a positive effect on healing and reclamation of identity. The focus of this episode is the correlation between the stress of modern society and approaches to alternative medical practices, specifically in regard to pregnancy and childbirth. In an attempt to decolonize the history of medicine, this episode chooses to focus on women and women's experiences in a male-dominated subfield of historical study, while also including male perspective in the conversation on pregnancy and labor. Historian Stephen Kahn's argument against communal healing is brought up in Chip Caldwell's Can Repatriation Heal the Wounds of History? Kahn argues that therapy speaks only to the singular individual's needs instead of to the collective, though as author Paul Thompson explores in his book, The Voices of the Past, oral history and communication of life stories and experiences help create not only a truer picture of history, but aid in the mending of personal, familial, and community relationships across several countries and continents. Stephen Kahn does draw a compelling point about the culprit of modern stress. He argues that he and other historians, such as Rick Hill, believe that aspects of American culture, such as the internet and consumer culture, assist in the degradation of identity and ultimately health. The stress of modern society, fueled by constant social media consumption, overworking, and effects of a constantly advancing technological consumer society have serious negative health effects on both our physical and mental states. Dr. David Schuster, who is an associate professor at Purdue University, Fort Wayne, examines this relationship between health and stress in his book, Neurasthenic Nation. So what initially piqued your interest in writing this book? I'm fascinated with how medicine has been used as a lens of sorts to understand kind of issues of, of normality, senses of abnormality, and senses of, of even alienation within culture. And that's what brought me to the late 19th century diagnosis of neurasthenia, which was an umbrella diagnosis to encapsulate problems that had no name for the late 19th century. And it allowed kind of an opportunity for individuals, patients, men and women, to interact with physicians, health specialists that were engaging in new ways of understanding what it meant to be healthy. And this type of health uh, involved uh, uh, the way people worked, um, their relationships, uh, their interactions with nature, uh, their senses as to whether or not they were living the life they were intending either by nature or by God to live. So it touches on all sorts of things like the rise of therapeutic religion, uh, I would include Christian science with that, a religion mm-hmm. which really combines spiritual understanding with senses of, of health and being. And, uh, yeah. Can you see any correlation between the societies of this time period and our modern time period? Oh, yeah. I mean, our culture is its everywhere. The, the fascinating thing about neurasthenia is that it came about at the same time you had this highly commercial consumer-based economy developed in America with Sears catalogs selling things and patent medicines advertising things. And, and it's through these advertisements that people come to uh, associate uh, uh, kind of comfort, uh, happiness with an ability to be able to buy things. We've developed a kind of a, a, a medical consumer culture that, that has surrounded it. Have you seen any correlation between the symptoms of neurasthenia and health issues today? Oh, absolutely. People call 
people had what were called neurasthenic breakdowns, which by the 20th century they just shortened to nervous breakdowns. And, um, you know, in the 1990s, there was a chronic fatigue syndrome. Uh, there, there's just every, it seems like every generation or every few generations, uh, comes up with new terminology that, that resonates more with, uh, with the current society. So language changes, but there, there seems like there is a, um, an interaction between the way we work and, uh, um, and, 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 and our senses of ourselves and our health. And it, it's not new. Do you think the stress of working and modern life contributes to our overall mental and physical health? Yeah, I think more than ever. I think uh, uh, within American culture, we have a sense that if you take time off, it's good for your health and that it's kind of therapeutic. Uh, I, as a nation, and there's this idea that we always feel like we have to be working, working, working. And when we don't work, there's a sense of guilt that happens. So what happens then if you start to work yourself until you burn out? Uh, are you guilty then for taking a week off to replenish? Well, this is where diagnoses like neurasthenia and uh, and kind of a therapeutic culture in general have arisen, is that they've, they've come to remind people that it's all right to take time off. Do you think the rise in stressful medical practices has contributed to an increase in the search for alternative medicines? I think those things are coupled with a few things. First of all, the amount of money in the typical consumer's pocket. So when we don't have as much money to spend on new things, we typically don't spend money on it. But we may do things that don't require money, for instance. Um, and then also the insurance practices, what is uh, 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 reimbursed. For instance, uh, uh, I know that some health insurance will reimburse people for some medicines and not others. Yoga is covered under some and not under others. So if you can have things more cheaply, like yoga, for instance, then I think more people would go to it. But if if it's more expensive, then um, again, I think it comes down to a consumer idea. Do you think this will translate into more women searching for alternative medical approaches to pregnancy, such as searching for doulas or wanting to have at-home births? Yeah, you know, it's 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 interesting the, the the correlation there. Birth is stressful, and going into a doctor and, and a hospital, if that seems foreign to you, uh, then I think that there's there's long been a tradition of having, uh, uh, um, whether it be midwifery or, or using a doula or even, you know, um, uh, um, having something else uh, in, in order to be able to give birth in a more seemingly less stressful way. Uh, I, I know my sister, she wanted to have a midwife, and she was, this was in Kentucky, and it was because she just didn't want a highly medicalized, um, she wanted to be able to give birth in a, in a, in a friendly environment. I, I think there has long been, been stress associated with medical care, especially medical care that is unfamiliar to you. So whether it be immigrants coming to America, seeing uh, kind of white, shiny hospitals and being afraid of them or um, doctors coming by with inoculations and being afraid of inoculations or whether it be uh, um, people who have associate hospitals with death and dying. So then why would they associate it with birth? There's a lot of associations there. And uh, uh, I think the, the rise of alternative birthing like midwifery is a natural reaction to that. Do you have any final thoughts on the subject of health? I think what's important is to allow the, indivi the, the individual, his or herself, to define um, whether or not they are well. I think the idea of having an individual, yeah, having wellness really be the sense of how 
one feels rather than an outside pair of eyes staring at them, determining whether they are not well or well. So I think what, what, what it might have in common is the sense that it begins with the individual and their sense of, of whether they are healthy or not. Thank you, Dr. Schuster, for your time. Midwives have had a long history throughout various cultures across the globe, including prevalent influence in African-American and indigenous communities. As author Kim Anderson relates in her book, Life Stages and Native Women, midwives were a significant figure in the process of welcoming new life and the maintaining of the human Milky Way or the lifeline that continues throughout the individual's life. Midwifery, especially in the African-American community in Southern Louisiana, has had a long-standing tradition, though it has fallen out of favor with many individuals. Ms. Buela Provo is one of those women who remember the prevalence of midwives in the African-American community, specifically in New Iberia. I was the sixth child of eight, and the first six of us uh, midwives uh, delivered. And it was a normal thing, you know, it seemingly, that's all you knew. Do you know of any training that the women had to go through? It's a gift. I, that's what I believe, you know, because I don't know of any school around here that back then that taught that kind of thing. Once hospitals became more prevalent, did women of color face any discrimination when trying to give birth or seek medical care? Yes, uh, my little cousin, she had her, she's around the age of my son, and she had, she was going to UL and she, you know, uh, I guess went into labor or something. That's when the charity used to be close to UL and they uh, brought her to charity, she passed out on campus. And when she realized she was in a charity hospital, she said, I want to go to a pay hospital. I don't want to stay here. She had to fit up in there. And the doctor told her if she went to another hospital, he couldn't stop her, but she had to sign a release that it was against his uh, opinion because they had more things at charity so they had experimental drugs that they weren't using everywhere. It didn't make sense why she didn't want to stay, but it's like that was a stigma. You know, I don't want my baby born in no, no uh, free hospital or something like that. But uh, she ended up having to stay when she realized, you know, she was putting her child at risk trying to leave. Do you think there will be a rise in searching for more natural ways to heal as we become more aware of the stress of modernity? I agree with that. But you still need need medical healing as well as the natural healing. And I don't know, to me, maybe I'm wrong, but to me there are more uh, incidences of people on dialysis than ever before. You know, and that, to me, I blame the medicine for that, the over-medication. And the, um, the medicines, uh, antibiotics, I understand that's deadly because uh, those germs evolve and then the, the stuff don't work anymore. You know, you hear more about people wanting to have births at home. You know, you hear talk of uh, things like, you know, home births. People wanting to do that rather than going to the hospital. And, and I think it's, it's a good thing and it's a not good thing too. If everything normal, normal baby and everything, you can have that baby by yourself, you know. <laughs> Mr. Eddie Christian of New Iberia also had some thoughts to share on the midwives in the area when he was growing up. They delivered the babies at home in the community and just pick up, you know. Somebody had to do it, let's put it that way. Somebody had to do it. Yeah, 
most of the guys in my age was born on a, uh, most of my friends were born with midwives, yeah. Looked like they had an organization, I believe, because they all took a picture, all the, all the black midwives. They got a picture at the library over there, you can go to the library and see it. All the black midwives, they must have at least a dozen or so, maybe more. And I think maybe Dr. Dotrieve had something to do with those midwives. The reason why I'm saying that is because they had a picture all together, you know, and they had a white uniform. Amazing, you know, you went to the hospital, too many people went to the hospital, $25 to deliver me. Now, and right after that, then they, that's when they ran 1944, I was born in 40, and they ran all the doctors all the time in 1944. So, that's how I got to be with them, I guess. Then after that, we had no doctor. They ran them out. Miss Mona Guillo from the Youngsville area also had some things to say about midwives during her time growing up in the area. Miss Mona, you said you knew a midwife growing up? I knew of her. She lived right across the street from my house. And there was a midwife that came, I think it was her seventh child, and I don't know why. Many years later, she, she became a friend of mine. She divorced her husband after <laughs> She was on her own and she ran right next to my house. And she loved gardening and so her and I became good friends. Do you think modern society causes an effect on our mental health? I think it's got to put stress on you. It's got to, it's got to, um, anyway, it's got to be heavy stress on you. Things are changing at such a tremendous pace. Years ago, when people were depressed, we just didn't even know it. But now, now, we're more aware of it, and people talk about it, and it's a TV. Do you think the intimidation of hospitals themselves could cause some women to pursue other means of bringing their babies into the world? I don't see the reason. Hospitals are not that unkind. Everybody's very, very kind to you. Thank you all for sharing your stories. Drake Hoffpower, a local Lafayette RN, speaks a little on the other side of labor and pregnancy. So Drake, can you say a little about what you do? Well, what we did was uh, we also we had a full semester of maternity and pediatrics is what it was. And um, during our clinical rotations, we went, in my case, I went to women's and children's and we had a maternity instructor and we were placed in the hospital and we got to go in the rooms and we were present for the birth and we helped as a nurse would and we learned everything that a nurse would do during these births. We even had a few guest speakers one time that spoke to us uh, about birthing centers and things like that, the other options that are out there for um, maternity, for women who want to have, you know, more of a natural birth um, instead of, you know, a hospital birth, which is important because a lot of times in today's society, I think in medicine today, we can get too caught up and kind of view Pregnancy is maybe more of a medical condition or just a medical condition instead of the natural process that it is. So in a hospital, what would you describe a birthing center as being different than a regular maternity ward? So the way that I understand it is that um, it's set up more like a more homely environment. So instead of, you know, feeling like you're in a hospital room, you can have like the birthing tubs where... Uh, the woman can birth in a tub instead of, you know, sitting in a hospital bed in the stirrups. You know, they'll be in the water and can birth that way. And they'll usually have 
a nurse midwife and an assistant there to help with the birth in that process, which a lot of times does very well for women because in these birthing centers, you have the very natural environment, which is nice and make them feel more comfortable. But if they would need that higher level care, a lot of these birthing centers or associated with a hospital or you know they they work have some kind of working relationship with the hospital so that you can get to a hospital quickly if the need should arise and you have that expert medical staff working at the birth, birthing center also so a nursing midwife in the way that I was speaking of it is a midwife it's an advanced practice nursing degree which means you'd go back to grad school and do a master's degree specifically in birthing process and it's called the nursing midwife is the name they give to that degree so they're um specially trained for delivering babies and do you see a push in modern society towards searching for alternative medical approaches in today's society there's a huge push towards the whole natural organic side of things both in pretty much all aspects from you know food to even medical care just trying to get back to more natural things and, you know, really finding out that these natural ways of doing things can be effective. And especially for myself, though, as a member of the medical community, and I try to look for a combination of those two things because I really appreciate that. And I try to, you know, realize when medical care is the right way to go you know there's just some pregnancies that won't be safe in a natural setting you know of any folk tales or traditions regarding pregnancy or labor in your own community you know they say it takes a village kind of thing well that's especially in my family you know when someone has a baby it's everyone's there you know all your family aunts your uncles your cousins you know Everyone wants to be a part of it. Everyone wants to see the baby, hold the baby, do what they can for you. They'll cook, you know, bring dishes to the family. So very, a lot of family support after the fact. And I think it helps with, you know, a lot of the postpartum care. It takes some of the stress off the mother, which in turn bears positive outcomes for the mother and baby. Support for the mothers in the postpartum period is something I think is very common around here and a very good thing around here and I think it should be focused on even more. As another future member of the medical community, Melinda Hazelwood also shares her experience both as a mother herself and as a nursing student. In the nursing curriculum, how have your classes approached the subject of labor and pregnancy as well as stress management? We've covered more stress management, um, a little bit of labor and delivery, but more so we've talked about stress management in in various scenarios when it comes to patients, when it comes to nurses and how we can take care of ourselves too. We talked about how um, it's important, you know, to take care of yourself, um, uh, whether that's going to yoga classes, um, learning a meditation practice, um, whether that be part of your religion or not. Um, Doing things that allow you to relax so that maybe getting a massage on a regular basis if you can afford it, Um, doing things you enjoy, like actively, even if you have to schedule it, actively scheduling that time to go take two hours to read a book, relax, um, to take care of yourself, yeah. How have your teachers suggested that you, as a future nursing student, handle scenarios where patients might not want to accept traditional medicines in a hospital? We always have to give patients um, 
all information, risks, you know, potential issues, so they can have informed consent. We can't force them to take anything. So if a patient says, no, I don't want to take this medication, what are my other options? Then of course we can offer to say, look, if they have some heart issues and stress is a huge contributing factor, we can let them know that doing yoga, meditation, those types of things are beneficial to them. Um, and even refer them out to a, a PCP that can maybe help them get set up with um, some medical uh, practices that might be able to help them along with that maybe acupuncture. So. If you will, could you tell me a little about your own experience with pregnancy? My son's 10. He's a boy. Um, I had him in a hospital. Um, I had a really difficult labor and a really difficult uh, pregnancy. Um, but yes, I, it was planned um, that I have him in a hospital. I wasn't looking to have a home birth because of how difficult the pregnancy was. Um, I had gestational diabetes, so I was high risk for most of my pregnancy, also including that I had a miscarriage a few years prior to getting pregnant. So. Um, I did not want to take a lot of medication because of how, you know, it just affect everything. Um, with, with the gestational diabetes, um, I tried medication, but it, it didn't make me feel well. So I did a lot of exercise, walking, um, even running, up until the point I couldn't run anymore. And uh, I did a lot of yoga as well. And um, when it came time, I had to do a, um, a C-section. So um, before that point came though, um, when I went into the hospital, I did, sat on the ball, you know, they tell you to bounce on the ball and sit, and I did a lot of walking in the hospital. It's time for me to, to actually go. Did you use any type of alternative medicine yourself to cope with pregnancy? I use the essential oils that are safe for pregnancy because um, it, it did help relax me. Um, and throughout my entire labor process, uh, because I tried to have him vaginally, but it just didn't happen. Um, uh, I had Yo-Yo Ma playing and did a lot of breathing techniques, um, so it was very painful. Uh, so I did that to try to get me through it. Um, I found that very beneficial. I had a friend who actually recommended it to me. Yeah, I have um, a couple of friends who do, uh, they're midwives, and so they have their own practice. When I was high risk, they weren't comfortable recommending me do a home birth. They, they wanted me to stick with my doctor and, and go that route, but they told me some, some things that I could do via yoga, meditation, essential oils, those types of things. And I also did my own research because I love to research stuff. Do you feel that there is a correlation between the stress of modern society and the decrease in mental health? I feel like parents are under a lot more stress to work. It's hard for one parent to be the sole breadwinner. Parents really need to work to be able to survive these days. Um, social media, I think it's just a huge problem in general, um, whether that be with adults and children, because children are on, uh, constantly connected, um, and they're constantly connected at school when they get to a certain age and they have their own devices. Um, so I think that creates a lot of stress. I actually recently read an article about... Um, kids are being sent their grades online portals through school and so instead of having like maybe a day to be able to process maybe how they did on a test their grades are instantly sent to them and they're processing this throughout the day which affects their school days too so I definitely think there's a lot more stress. Do you think these stressors will cause an increase in individuals looking for alternative medicine and eventually more women wanting natural births? Our healthcare situation here in our country is is really tough, and people can't afford to have the insurance that they need to be able to get quality care. So I think I see um, an increase of people looking for alternative methods for things that work for them. I think that that could go either way. I think it can help some people who may not have as serious of health issues, and people who have things like diabetes, um, cancer, you know, heart disease. Some of those things may need actual medical care. I feel like I've seen an increase in women wanting to do home births with doulas and midwives. Um, 
And a lot of that's due to there's such stringent demands on nurses and what they and doctors even what they do with the babies once the babies are delivered. Um, they have to take them away and do all these tests, and they don't give the mother time. The baby is so that's really essential to do. Um, so I think that moms are going to start looking for that, uh, looking to find doulas, midwives who are going to let them have that experience that they that they really need. Do you have any advice for women looking for alternative medical approaches? for either the birth process or just in general? I think it's just important to do what's best for you. Regardless of what anybody says, follow your gut and do what's best for you. Thank you, Melinda. Lindsay Brown is a Shreveport resident that successfully, through the support of her family and doula, delivered her most recent child at home. Miss Lindsay, could you tell me a little about your pregnancy processes with your children? So with my first two, it was uh, very just standard medical care, hospital birth, um, with all the bells and whistles that come along with that. And then um, with my last two, I've ventured into some alternative uh, health care options there, primarily um, with chiropractic care. And so we had some positioning issues with the baby. Um, she was breech, which means her um, head was up and her feet were pointing down. We needed her to turn head down um, so that we could just have a normal um, vaginal delivery without any kind of um, augmentation. And my doula had suggested chiropractic care, and I had never heard of that before. And there's this whole field of chiropractic care that specializes in the care of pregnant women, also children, um, even like newborn babies. Just work on your overall alignment, which helps you just stay more comfortable during pregnancy. But then also, um, the chiropractor can really stretch out and loosen some of your uh, ligaments that tend to just be really tight and can basically re restrict the baby's ability to move around freely within the womb. And, um, and so thankfully, um, with some routine chiropractic care, we were able to get the baby to turn head down and then achieve you know, the kind of birth that we wanted with her. And then also with my fourth pregnancy, um, I decided to deliver the baby at home with a midwife as opposed to at the hospital. I just started looking around for doulas online and asking for recommendations and um, came across just a wonderful um, person in the Shreveport area who could take care of my needs. Our midwife with uh, baby number four, um, she was actually our doula when we had number three. She was going through her midwifery training when she served as our doula and I was her last client uh, as a doula. Um, before she shut that down to really, um, I guess, study up for her, I guess what you would call her board exam. I loved having her as a doula. I think I just made it through the birth and had a wonderful birth experience just because of her support and her coaching during the actual labor and delivery. Um, and so I knew that she had opened up a midwifery practice in Shreveport. She's actually also opened up Shreveport's only freestanding birth center. I just reached out to her and told her I was considering an out-of-hospital birth, and we sat down to just talk through everything that that would take. I just had such a wonderful labor and delivery experience with my third child. I had the baby at the hospital that I was able to um, labor and deliver without any kind of augmentation, which basically means, um, you know, we weren't stimulating the labor and we were not 
using any pain management techniques such as dural. Um, and with that experience and it being really well, I just, it, I mean, it is such hard work, but you immediately feel better. It's like it just stops. Um, versus I had had two other babies with an epidural and um, all of this other stuff and like an induction. And did you want to switch from a hospital birth to delivering at home? So that was a great experience, and then I just felt trapped at the hospital. I had, I had wonderful care from my obstetrician and from the nurses and all of that. I wouldn't trade it for anything, but you're also just stuck at the hospital. And I was like, we're healthy, and I feel great, and I don't want to be stuck here. I would like to go home. What was your medical care like with your midwife throughout the process? My, my midwife did all of my routine prenatal care. So I saw her at the same schedule that you would see your obstetrician at. So every four weeks uh, leading up to week, I think, 34, and then I saw her every two weeks until we got to week 36, and then I saw her once a week after that. So she did all of my routine prenatal care, which was, you know, checking my blood pressure and um, running lab work when we needed to do lab work and um, administering any, you know, medicines that I would have needed at the doctor's office. She was able to do all of that for me. Um, How did you prepare to deliver a child at your home? I needed to order some supplies, which was mostly a lot of the disposable things that she was not going to bring with her. Um, so, you know, paper towels, Clorox wipes. and I ordered a birth kit is what it's called, and it was shipped to the house. And... Um, and then, yeah. What were some of the procedures that took place after childbirth? We we spent about an hour together every time I went for a prenatal appointment, and we did some very in-depth, I guess, birth preparation and just prenatal things, uh, looking into nutrition, um, my diet when I was pregnant, anything like that. I mean, we spent about an hour together each time we met, which, you know, When's the last time you've been to your doctor's office and spent an hour with your doctor? Midwife is actually the care provider in the immediate, like, when the baby comes out, the midwife is the care provider for both you and for the baby. We had the midwife and her midwife assistant, and so they were both my care provider and the baby's care provider. And so what, what happened immediately after birth is we had just a good bit of time to just increase just um oxygenated blood flow to the baby even after she comes out so we did that um, and they assessed baby's vitals and my vitals and um, you know checked us for a good period of time how did you go about dealing with the afterbirth in some communities such as many Cajun and indigenous communities especially in southern Louisiana the placenta is buried either in the yard or near a significant plant I did not have any big plans for my placenta to encapsulate it or, you know, um, preserve it in any way. And so um, we were able to um, send it back to the birth center um, in a sealed bag with the midwife for her to dispose of it with her um, medical waste. And, um, and that was okay. I also had the op option to dispose of it myself here at the house. Do you think that there is a correlation between the stress of modern society and expectations of pregnancy? It's hard to be a mom, no matter how you slice it, and it's, I think, even harder to be a working mom. It's, it's a lot for women, and for mothers especially. Um, you're 
I think you're expected to be all the way normal at about week six or week eight um, after you have a baby and you're just not foggy in the head and you're figuring out this new life and your your body still feels weird and you know you're expected to just kind of jump back in right where you were and if, if anything I think um, employers could be you know more um, I don't want to say lenient, but really just like providing more time for women and for fathers, like in terms of paternal care, like for fathers to, uh, and women to have time to, you know, an extended amount of time off from work, if possible, um, to just heal and to bond and, you know, to get ready to come back. Do you have anything you wish to share about anything related to pregnancy or birth or health in general? You know, people have been having babies. For, for as long as humans have been on earth, um, humans have been having babies and people have been having babies without um, all of the um, interventions and you know, medical things that we have available to us today and, and not all of the time was that great, right? Like babies and mothers used to die in childbirth and, and that's terrible so I mean we are, you know, should be grateful for the the medicine and the doctors and the nurses and the information that we have today, um, but also just trust that, um, you know, our bodies were made to do this thing and, you know, if, if you're healthy and the baby is looking healthy and you don't require any unnecessary intervention, then there are opportunities to pursue um, a, a pregnancy that is very intervention-free and a childbirth experience that is free of unnecessary um, interventions. And so there are options out there. And, um, you know, just because this is the way I did it, it's not the way everybody should. You know, it depends on how healthy you are and, um, you know, how healthy the baby is. And ultimately what you want is a healthy mama and a healthy baby. Thank you, Lindsay, for sharing your story. Speaking from the perspective of a doula, Maddie Warner shares her side and thoughts on both the processes of alternative birth methods as well as the stress of modernity that often contributes to the search for those alternative options. So Maddie, tell me a little about yourself as a doula and what exactly a doula is. I am a birth doula training with Dona International. I serve all of Acadiana, so from New Iberia to, like, Opelousas. What is the main difference between a doula and a nurse? Doula is a support person um, for the mom going through labor and delivery. Um, so we're there emotionally, physically. Um, we're kind of like the mom's best friend during labor. Nurses and midwives... Um, they can do medical things. Um, so I have a lot of knowledge on all of the medical practice, so I know about what each medicine does, like what the side effects are. Um, I know about all the different medical processes in labor. But my job is more to educate the mom about that and not make medical decisions for her. How did you initially gain interest in becoming a doula? My current job at the family tree, I'm a social worker, and I work with um, pregnant moms and moms with babies so naturally doing that um, what I do is I do case management in home so I educate moms on things already that have to do with like babies and pregnancy so I already was like 
into talking about health and pregnancy to moms. I wanted to look more into becoming a doula because I know that they help um, moms with that. What was the training process to become a doula? Um, and I just researched the different programs and what they offered, and um, I decided to go with Dona International. Um, it's D-O-N-A. And um, what the process was, I just signed up. Um, for a birth doula workshop, and the workshop was a 40-hour class um, of just learning all kinds of things, everything about labor and delivery, um, different physical support positions, um, homeopathics, all that kind of stuff, and so that was a physical, like, 40-hour class with a group of people, and then after that, you're pretty much ready to go. Um, you can jump into the community and start doing births. Um, but then the certification process is, um, it lasts for two more years. So I had two years from the day that I finished the class to um, do a bunch more things. So I have to read a bunch of books. Um, I have to write a position paper on um, what I believe my practice is. I have to get letters of support from doctors, nurses, midwives that I work with, um, and also letters of support from clients that I have been with um, during their birth. You don't have to be certified to be a doula in practice, but it is people like it more when you are certified and you have the credentials behind your name. Do you have any interaction with the partners of those wishing to use doulas or give natural births? Some partners, like, they don't want to be involved at all. They want to just kind of sit back because they're nervous about what's going on with their wife or their um, partner. And so some of them want to sit back and do nothing and just want to kind of know the status and know what's going on. But some of them want to really be involved. What are some positive aspects of being a doula? Being able to be a support person in the community. Um, this is a very vulnerable and um, nitty-gritty job. Like, you're, you know, you're seeing the most of these people. So just being able to be that support person for people is a pro for me because I just love to serve and, you know, help people. What is the relationship between doulas, midwives, and the hospitals? Working with hospital staff sometimes is difficult um, because doulas, so doulas are an old thing. They were, they were really recognized and welcome back in the day, but now that medical technology has gotten to be so advanced and doctors have a lot of um, God complexes, um, sometimes not as accepted in the hospital community, and so that can be a con, just trying to be an advocate for the patient um, with the doctor's attitudes towards doulas. Is there anything else you wish to add? The population that Medicaid serves, they need doulas because we're proven to decrease C-section rates, decrease maternal mortality, all that kind of stuff. So um, I definitely see an increase in um, just the world's colliding, you know, but it, we're definitely still in the beginning stages of that. But I think in the next 10 years or so, like, it'll be normal to have a doula. Do you see any correlation between the stress of modern society and the search for alternative medicines? I think stress causes people to seek, you know, things like essential oils or um, yoga, breathing exercises for sure, which is good. More and more people are going to counseling, which is good um, because it is a form of, you know, relief and stuff. But yeah, I think it plays a part for sure. I think it's becoming more... I don't want to say, like, popular, but I 
think people are talking, like starting to talk about it more. And so naturally on social media, there are more people who are sharing about it and, you know, influencing others to look into what they're doing. So um, I definitely think it has an effect for sure. They go hand in hand. Quite frankly, in hospitals right now, moms are not really getting personalized care during labor and birth. Um, Their nurses and doctors are in and out. Um, they're, They're there around the clock, but they're not really asking them if they have any questions. They're just kind of doing the interventions, doing what they got to do. Um, and I think that, you know, having that extra person there um, for the mom and, and the couple really to feel heard, um, to feel taken care of really helps decrease stress. It helps decrease um, just the risk of all kinds of things because a lot of complications in birth have to do with stress. They have to do with stress in the mind, which then turns into physiological stress, which can put stress on the baby, it can put stress um, on the uterus when she's trying to deliver the afterbirth. Like, so in general, I think that having a doula and having a support person in there when you're having a baby, especially if you're delivering at the hospital, will make things so much better. <laughs> Thank you, Maddie, for sharing your unique perspective. To add a brief final thought to the episode, the very act of community sharing of stories and knowledge provides an element to healing that has long been overlooked in the mainstream medical environment. As Sonia Adelaide discusses in her essay, braiding strands of knowledge, understanding the correlation between how Western, Indigenous, and alternative practices complement each other is a significant layer to the overall practice of healing. As we wrap up this episode, I would like to take a moment to thank all of our interviewees including Melinda Hazelwood, Madeline Warner, Lindsay Brown, Dr. David Schuster, Greg Kaufpower, Mona Guillo, Brayla Provo, and Eddie Christian for their time and influence in making this podcast episode. I would also like to thank all of our collaborators and sponsors, including the Iberia African American Historical Society, the Youngsville Historical Society, the Center for Louisiana Studies, the University of Louisiana at Lafayette Special Collections, the Gobo Center for Public History, and the Public History Program at the University of Louisiana at Lafayette, as well as the Department of History, Geography, Philosophy at the University. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to check out our other episodes in the series.